Reporting is eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you will save 15% this year. Again, that's appletoncoffee.com. Use code RAE at checkout to save 15%. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible, a holiday edition. The Packers are still alive, they just beat the Rams on Monday Night Football, uh, and they play, I, I guess, the most important game of the year next week, until the one after that, but uh, there's one officially good team left on their schedule, it's the Dolphins, so to wrap up the Rams and preview next week, uh, with me I have... In a in a dark in a basement dark, in, 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 in Indianapolis. Cave, yeah. Not a basement, but just my office, my apartment. Um, yeah, it's just a light fixture situation. But uh, yeah, this is Tyler Brook, and I wrote a book. Um, <laughs> I think that's stuck with as an at this point. It I think is. I'm stuck with that. Forever. It's forever. Eventually, you'll have to write. I think another book. But uh, I think you got like five years of no, grace. no, no. You're done. Yeah, give me some time. Right. That that I was a recluse for all of last winter. So maybe maybe <laughs> give me enough. some time. No, no, no pressure. It's still, it's still relevant. It's still good. I feel like when you write something like the science yep. of sports, you can also just like make addenda to it for a, like a good ten yep. years before you have to put out a new edition too. Like ride that puppy, yeah, absolutely to the ground. So. All right, so um, smart. I like that. Yes. So, uh, was this was this their best win of the season so far? Uh, I'm I mean, the Rams are so bad. They, they, they suck. But um, <laughs> the Cowboys are probably better, right? Like that's. Here's my thing with the this Bears one. game was pretty convincing. Yeah, I guess the so. second Bears game was pretty convincing. I guess the thing with this one is, I I feel like they were just like a, a hair away from it being a blowout. Um, like they were never in danger of yep. losing it. And if if Aaron Jones is ruled down before he fumbles. Um, or if just some wacky stuff doesn't every time the Packers do this, they have wacky stuff happen, but like they still won by convincing him out and they probably should have won by more. Um, you know, this probably should have been a blowout blowout. And, uh, I, I, I feel pretty good about it going forward. Not totally good, <laughs> but, but, um, I do think this was a taking care of business win. Like I didn't want them to eke out a win over the Rams. They didn't, <laughs> they, they won it. They, they deserve to win it. So I'm pretty good with it. Um, and as Archon pointed out, in, in uh, Slack chat today, since Watson's touchdown streak started, they're third in EPA on offense. Their offense has actually kicked into high gear. Like, it's actually a a, a playoff-level part of the team now for the first time all year. So, I, I, I do like that. That's good. Well think, well, think about what the offense has become in this year. Like, this iteration, they understand that, you know, Rodgers may not is, you know, he's starting to show signs of decline, but, you know. You can still get him involved. You can still make plays. But really, it's a run first team, it feels like. Yep. You're seeing a lot of gap scheme this year. You've got two running backs that are more than capable of doing it. And the offensive line situation's kind of figured itself out, even when David Bakhtiari is not able to play. Uh, and then, of course, you have the unbelievable emergence of Christian Watson. Yeah. And now you have Romeo Dobbs back. Um, it, I mean, things are really gelling together. Um it's a team that it just it took some time to figure it out because there's so many young guys on that offense. There were so many moving pieces, um, but it's good to see it, it. It ultimately, who knows? It may not end up mattering for this season. <laughs> but if Rogers does come back in 2023, I know we've talked a lot about what the future holds and all the uncertainty. There is a path to this team being good in 2023 if Rogers comes back because of those young pieces. Absolutely, I, I think even more than Dobbs, who was definitely good in this game, like caught all of his passes. Uh, looked good doing it. Looked really shifty. The offensive line's very interesting. Like they are, I think, finally getting the most out of their athleticism, and it didn't just seem yep. to happen before. It, it they almost like shifted from being just like uh, heavies with Elton and Bakhtiari to sort of realizing, no, that's not smart. We have all of these like light, super fast, super strong guys who are just not going to overwhelm you with raw power. But if we're creative with them, we can still get elite production out of them. And it's almost more fun to watch this way. 
Well, think about how many ways they've gotten Aaron Jones sprung, right? Like yeah. all of these polling guards or pollers like that. Uh, and that you can tell they're like, Aaron Donald's not playing in this game. We dare this front seven to try and stop the run. Uh, and they were dang effective doing it. <laughs> Absolutely were. The Rams, even without Aaron Donald, have been good against the run this year. And um, yeah. that was a really impressive performance. I also I want to point out, just because I know we do have a nerd following to some extent, um, and they'll all understand this, but A.J. Dillon's raw stats weren't great in this game. I think he had like 11 for 34 or something like that. But his, his EPA was very good. Um, basically, all of his short runs either converted first downs or scored touchdowns. And um, he had long runs to convert to like he, he had well-timed runs he ran with power when he needed to it was one of the best 34 yard rushing performances you'll ever see honestly <laughs> <laughs> i absolutely loved his first touchdown run um just from like a standpoint of a mentality of the team just seeing that many guys so quickly <laughs> get into that pile to move it i mean once aj Jones in the end zone you see like five offensive linemen and alan lazard on the ground from pushing that pile yep uh and for as much as we talk about the defense not looking like it cares, it's kind of nice to see the offense make a play like that. Yeah, they were really, really into it. It was very nice to see. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Dobbs was Dobbs was good. I think he'll always be a good, like, all-around good receiver, complimentary receiver. I, I feel bad Watson lost the, t- the touchdown streak, but he was, again, like, just close so many times. He only had four catches, but, like, it just if he gets the edge a little bit quicker or if he gets it a little bit more in stride, he still just looks like a threat to score every time. It's so fun to see. Love that guy. I, I think you that- can you can see on some of the dots on some of the I saw a couple of the plays where they showed the dots. Like the defense on passing plays is very clearly shading to Watson. Yep, absolutely is. They're giving him plenty of attention and Dobbs took full advantage. Lazard kind of did too. We should talk because I've been getting harassed on Twitter um consistently for the last day and a half on this. Uh what is your take on the Lazard play and the Aaron interception overthrow? Uh, it, it can be both, right? Like he can think he saw one thing, which is that, you know, there's safety over the top. I need to slow down so he can hit me. Yeah. And Rogers can think he's going to run it. I do think Lazard's more in the right, but this <laughs> kind of becomes the problem of all of the stuff we talk about with this offense. There's too much. I know Rogers likes to talk about that, you know, paper football and real football are different things. And what he said in theory is true. But when so much of your offense is just based off like vibes, that's where you get plays like that where guys are just not on the same page. Yeah, um, I think you can. I think you should put way more of the blame on Rodgers for this, just because whatever he saw in um, body language or anything else, uh, throwing it in front of Lazard was going to get a giant gain. And given how he was actually starting to turn his body back inside against the grain of where the defense was heading, he might have even scored. Probably not because he's not that fast, but. Um, there's at least a chance for that. And if he follows, if he goes to where the ball goes, like that is going to be a really tough sideline catch for Lazard at best. But like that's the best case scenario yeah. there. And I, I, I think it was an interesting dichotomy between Troy Aikman on the regular and the Mannings on the Manning cast, where Aikman was very much a on the quarterback side and b on the I think I think the the defend the shield method of calling games, where um you. you First of all, you, you never sell out the quarterback, but you give more praise than you do criticism. Uh, whereas the Mannings just are, you know, uh, bless their hearts, a little bit country bumpkins. You know the game, obviously, better than everybody <laughs> in the world. And it's like, oh, what are you doing there? <laughs> and just got to fire that well, in it's there, also, man. Aikman did not have his best performance. He also said the Packers had a bad running game in 2021. He, he did. And I, like, I, I was kind of floored for his. I was like... Didn't they have one of the most efficient rushing games in football last year? Basically, since Aaron Jones has been on the team, they've been a top five running game. And so many people just confuse attempts with effectiveness. And that's where the Packers always get it on the running game analysis. It's it's not great. But Aikman shouldn't be making that mistake. Aikman's definitely yeah. a a bit of a numbers guy, at least. He's had his hand in advanced stuff for a while. And, you know, he, he knows effectiveness versus, versus volume and that what's important and what's not. And he definitely called... At least two Packers games last year. I'm convinced <laughs> yeah, abso- they're always on. Absolutely <laughs> did. Hundred percent. Oh probably my gosh. More. Uh, all right. Should we, should we talk the defense a bit? Because I think this is a little bit more controversial. Um, because I mean, objectively, they had a pretty good game, right? They didn't give up many points, and the Rams suck something awful. Um, but it it still didn't feel like a great game all the way around. And I, I'm tr- having trouble putting my finger on why exactly. <laughs> Body language. I think what? we're. 
Rasul Douglas's performance encapsulates the entire defense. What feels like <laughs> the last few weeks. I'm with you on that. Productive, made plays, but also didn't give a, a single shit. The lateral where he looked back and went, I shouldn't lateral this. And then as he was falling, he just went, ah, screw it, lateral. Yes, as the lateral guy, very t- upset with that play, actually. Like, <laughs> I would love it if he had looked back to lateral and then eaten it. Because then I could be on here like, yep. see, you could be disciplined about this. But but no, <laughs> he did not do that. <laughs> and then the touchdown he gave up to Tyler Higby, where it just felt like he was just like, you know what? Just have this yep, one. Just jogging. Care. Just jogging. Yeah. But on the other hand, they were effective. That the Rams did not score many points at all, and uh, really good pressure. Good, they they got. I think that's the most uh, impressive thing, and maybe a good place to start with with JJ and Agbari. Who, um, I, I mean, he's not Rashawn Gary, but I think the drop off has been way, 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 way less than we all expected. I think I, I expected the pass rush to go from, you know, stellar to almost non-existent, and that has not been the case at all. He's been really, really good. As much as I would love the Packers to draft another edge in the first two days of the draft, because like there are a ton, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, a second unit of Justin Hollins and Enigbari, I don't hate because Hollins has shown me a little bit too. He was also he was everywhere in that game. That speed is real. Yeah, and um, yeah, I don't know what's going on lately on the front of the defense, but there seems to be over the last uh, the last game for sure. But I would say game and a half, two games. Much more of a see ball hit ball mentality in the front seven than there has been the rest of the season, which is nice to see and really um, uses um, Holland's talents to their best uh, ability because he is a pure athlete to, uh, you know, just getting a chance. So, um, but they may have something in, in Igbari. Like he, he his oh, technique yeah. is really good. And I, I, we always say every week, like he just needs an NFL offseason in the weight room. But he might. He's kind of making progress every week. He already looks quite a bit stronger, and he's he's getting there with regularity. It's this draft might end yeah. up being a lot better than we originally thought. Yeah, I think I was talking about this maybe on the Twitter Spaces last night or something like that. But you know, they really needed some home runs if they were going to compete for a Super Bowl this year, right? Yeah. They didn't get those, but what they did get is you're starting to see flashes and emergence from like a lot of guys. Christian Watson might be an actual star. Romeo Dobbs is a legitimate contributor. Uh, Quay Walker, I just think he needs to get more comfortable with a scheme because yeah. the athleticism pops for sure. Uh, Devon Wyatt, who knows what's going on there, but like when he plays, he's really <laughs> good. But then, yeah, then you look at the day three guys. Like we talked about Dobbs, Zach Tom's doing an admirable job of tackle. Um, we're seeing some stuff from just so many guys. Um, hard not to be a little bit excited. Yeah. Like th- this might end up looking back and be like, that was a, Good draft class at a time where long term, when we're thinking about what the future looks like, they really needed a head start on. <laughs> Tyler, what's your dog's name? That's my cat. Yeah, that's your Luke. cat. Okay. Uh, yeah, your cat is He's like a big boy. Uh, um, is like five of my cats all put together. So, yeah. <laughs> Luke was. He's not a- like chonky. He might be getting a little chonky, he lo- but like he looks he's just a big cat. He looks like he's got a good frame. Well, he's uh, he's carrying that well. <laughs> Definitely a, a he's edge a- contributor. He's an athletic le- yeah, edge. He's definitely an athletic edge. Yes. Good wrath score. Anyway, cat in, cat's first appearance on the podcast. Um, uh, so not overwhelming, but uh, Enigbari has three sacks so far, which ties him for uh, 19th uh, all-time for the Packers, tied with Tony Bennett uh, and a bunch of nobodies. Um, I'm sorry, is that in one season or in a career? One season. For rookie, oh, I was going to say, like, that hurt my brain. Rookie season. Okay. So the all-time I my brain for a second. The all-time rookie rookie leader for the Packers is Clay Matthews. Keeping in mind, of course, sacks only go back uh, not that far. Although reference has the unofficials now. They're actually part of this. I just noticed because Robert Brown's on here. But Clay Matthews at ten is a rookie. He's the franchise rookie record holder. Tim Harris and Vonnie Holiday hit eight each as rookies. Um, but then it goes way down to Lionel Aldridge and Mike Butler at five. Uh, they're tied at fourth. So. Do you think Inigbari gets to gets to that level? Uh, gets two more sacks over the course of the season? Is a top five rookie pass rusher in team history? It he's going to have to get them in the next two weeks because I, I do like Detroit's offensive line quite a bit. They are and awesome. I'm, I know Minnesota's is banged up. Minnesota's is banged up. There's some real potential there. Yep. Miami's I feel like is banged up as well, right? They're missing. I could um, be wrong. Ah, shoot, I forgot his name. They're missing their best left tackle, who I should look up. Um, I, I already was re- it Armstead? I think I saw him last week. Um, I could be wrong. I, ah, uh, shoot. Um, 
you know, I already recorded the mini podcast or I would have this fresh in my head because I thought I was going to be traveling. <laughs> so it has already been exercised from my head. But uh, they are a good offensive line that is missing or has been missing one of their better players. That that's I'll look up his name. Yeah. I forgot. We'll get to it. Well, I'll just say speaking of the defense, like it's been a disappointment. Like as good as it looked at times in the productions there, it still feels bad. It does. Like. People now have the formula to stop the Miami Dolphins, and if Joe Barry just can't even do that with a team that is built to handle press man with its corners, uh, you just he cannot stay. Like you know, you now know the formula to stop Tua in the passing game, yep. and you have the talent that can fit that scheme really well. And I'm just not confident they're going to do it. Yep, Tua, one of the the weirder ones um, in this league, by the way, the only quarterback right now that has a higher uh, passer rating when pressured than when not. Uh, so. Uh, maybe good for the Packers. We'll see. Um, I think it was Teron Armstead who was out last week, um, and yeah. uh, Greg okay. Little, who's their backup tackle and has played 420 snaps this year, is PFF's lowest graded tackle, uh, 80, 81 out oh, of wow. 81. So they uh, they drop off a lot when they're injured on the offensive line. Gotcha. Which is which is nice. Something you can work on <laughs> if you're Joe Barry and actually study you know film and understand football. Um, <laughs> uh, so. I guess before let's do the Dolphins a little bit. Really, we should mention Keyshawn Nixon, who. Um, oh is, my gosh! Uh, just as important in, in taking a step forward as anybody else on this team. Uh, Rich Basaccia, great find, and uh, I, I think has uh, Justice was tweeting out now has five 100 yard kickoff return games in a row, which is the the most since I think 2010 by anybody in the league, not just Packers. <laughs> He's, oh, anyone? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's incredible. I think so. I think so. I'll pull it up. He tw- he tweeted it recently. But, like, it makes it so. Obviously, he's a great find. But, uh, first of all, he should have been starting all season at that position. They've lost so many games because of it. But, um, uh, like, they should have fixed this problem so many times. Like, Keyshawn Nixon is just a guy he's been freely available for years and years um and and gets this opportunity here and is obviously very very good at it but like this is how you have to do special teams and sticking with amari rogers because you spent draft capital on him and not running guys through has cost you games and cost you the playoffs this season possibly yeah it's ridiculous but Keyshawn nixon's awesome um and uh, a great find rich passaccia should be like the person on the packers of the year just for him and ford it's a uh, it's so awesome to watch him run can you uh, special teams on the packers always sucks this is this is incredible that's what you want from a special teams coordinator is you want a guy that like i know everyone's like upset about the scheme but like he's only had one year to get bring in like quote unquote his guys but being able to find a special teams coordinator that can find those guys who are also at least can be like backup depth pieces at certain positions. And then in like Rudy Ford's case, like a, a serviceable starter, like th- that's what you want from a special teams coordinator. Cause if that can actually be a part of your like, you know, roster in a building like that, that's a significant piece. Yep. And, and by the way, Justice wrote a whole thing on this, not just a tweet. So go read it at Acme Packing Company because... Well, Justice wrote about special teams. I am I know, stunned. I know. Shocking. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely floored. Um, all right. So um, we have the Dolphins next week. This is the whole season. Um, it's it's Tua. It's two of the best four receivers in the league. It's a running back who has destroyed the Packers in the past. <laughs> um the Packers have also on defense, Joe Barry's defense is, I think, two things. Uh, complete inability to stop the run and just big play after big play. The Packers rank very highly in allowing big plays. The Dolphins are just made out of big plays. The whole team is made out of big plays. I'm very scared of this game. Um, <laughs> how, how do you think they will handle this? And, and is what do you, is Mostert going to go for 200-plus in this one? Will somebody go for 200-plus in this one? <laughs> Oh, you know, when Jim Ursay talked about Star Wars numbers like that, that's what's going to happen. It feels like it's just going to be a Star Wars numbers game. Um, I don't I don't I have bad vibes about it. Again, um, I just think the defense has quit on Joe Barry. Yeah, there's just there's so many ups where it just feels like it. Guys are just trying to get theirs and I don't blame them. Uh, (laughs) Schematically, things are infuriating. Uh, That's probably how Jair became a pro bowler this year. It honestly is. I feel like this um, is a this is if a JR if he freelances in this game like Tyreek's gonna get two eighty yarders on him they're they're gonna double move yep. him to death and he's not gonna recover on that because 
that's a much better receiver than he's used to facing. It'll be the Justin Jefferson game all over again in all likelihood if that's what happens. Um, so that and, yeah. and Mostert has been like a great boom and bust player for them. They they don't run great. They don't run a ton. They're a very heavy passing team. But if they're smart at all and they get this Packer team in front of them, like he might he might go off in some kind of historic performance too. I'm terrified of this game. <laughs> Everything I've thought about this season, though, when I have a take, has just been the opposite. Like that defies all logic. So honestly, with the way the season's gone, Packers are probably going to shut down the Dolphins' offense, and we're not going to understand how. <laughs> it, I mean, I think they have the horses to do it. I just don't believe that they're smart enough to do it. Uh, one of the things the Tua does not possess is an elite arm, and so one thing that I could see actually happening is just randomly the gambling pays off. Like, <laughs> if you do guess right on an out or something like that, uh, you have a lot of time to close the gap and get there. That's one of two of his weaknesses. He's very good. He's very accurate. He's smart. He makes his reads quickly, but he does not have a gun. So um, if, if you're going to win this game, that's probably one of the things that has to happen. But they are just well-equipped to, to hurt the Packers, honestly. And I think it's going to be a shootout if they want to have a chance. Um, which is its own problem because Packers I, aren't good in shootouts. It's not their forte. I'd like to pour one out for like family members having to the who football having to watch uh, football on Christmas Day. That's going to be rough for the non-Packers <laughs> fans in the family. Yes, yes, indeed it is. I'm sure we'll have it on at my place. But uh, very, very true. All right, should should we move on to the many, many questions that we have? Many of them good. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, of course, if you are a patron, you get priority for $2. Uh, it, it's just a, a tip gets you a question priority if you want to have your stuff read on here. That's all it takes at patreon.com slash mktailgate. First, as usual, Mark Potscarby, who must have some kind of alarm set up. Um, kudos on you, Mark. Hypothetically speaking here, let's say the Packers hire Jim Leonard as their defensive coordinator after the season. A few years down the line, the Badger head job opens up again, and he takes it and leaves the Packers in December. How would fans react to the decision? Um, I guess this is more for me because I'm all ingrained yeah. in this. Um, uh, first of all, I think there's like no chance that happens. Like once spurned, you're not going back. Uh, so my, my main thing would be that's just weird. That's like uh, if that I like Jim Leonard a lot. I think Jim Leonard's a genius. I think he should take a pro job because I think he's more suited for it. If he wants to stay in college, fine. But like if you do that specifically, you like Madison too much. And you should go somewhere else. <laughs> um, I like Madison. I love Madison. I vacationed in Madison, went to school there, um, and I would consider moving back someday. But if you like it enough to, um, once spurned, leave a pro job to go back and take the head coaching job, uh, you're you're too much Madison, and you need to go live somewhere else for a while. So that's my answer there. I do want to. I don't think I've brought this up at any point yet, but um, I've only known Jim Leonard as a coach. Uh, I learned all about his career. What a fascinating player just from the outside <laughs> as a non-Wisconsin fan. Yes, he was is. Was that man a walk-on two-time All-American? He was. That is incredible. He, he Walk-on oh two-time All-American, all, all brains, all is in the right spots. You can see why he's a coach now. Um, he's he's a fascinating guy, and uh, I know every single episode we talk about collision low crossers, but you should read it just for the Jim Leonard parts, which are fantastic. Um, all right, on to Flaley Joel Osment. Losing was preferred here, right? How do I reconcile my heart and my brain? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, at this point, it's just like, I, I don't, I'm not even concerned about the playoffs anymore. Like, it's been such an up and down year. <laughs> It'll be really cool if they make it. Like, you can just talk about that one year. It's like where they had absolutely no shot and they made it. But at the very least, like, you're just seeing signs of life that long term are going to carry over. Yeah. Um, and it's been fun. Like, seeing Christian Watson score touchdowns has been one of the most entertaining things I've watched as a Packers fan. Yeah, I would add on to that that um, they've been out of the running for like a top five pick for a while now. They've been a little too good for that. And once that ship sailed, I would say it doesn't really matter if you're like 12th or 18th. That's all kind of the same. So you may as well root for wins while they've still got a you know a puncher's chance of doing something. There's no no reason to, to let your, your head dominate your heart there. Top five's different. You know, there's real difference makers. There's quarterbacks. There's lots of fun stuff. You can get lots of the same kind of players in the middle. That's fine. So. Patrick Detmer asks. Also, I will oh, yeah. say this quick. With the playoff picture, <clears throat> if they somehow have the playoffs, 
Which is hilarious because there's no real good NFC teams besides the 49ers Eagles. If there's just some crazy path that somehow they just avoid, yeah, maybe have to play one of those two. That is one of the problems, though, <laughs> is that they're almost guaranteed to play the 49ers the way things are set up right now. <sighs> um, you would need, My heart can't take the other 49ers I, I don't, game. I, I don't want that at all. Um, there's a chance that if things break correctly, they could get the Vikings, which would be possibly a very fun game. Because um, the Vikings are frauds, as we all know, and goodness gracious, <laughs> as it, I, I mean, they just scream fraud at this point. <laughs> uh, poor Frank Reich, that's a real kick, kick, kick in the nuts for that guy. Like, gets fired, loses yeah. his record to like the worst NFL coach of all time, taking over for him. Just awful. Yeah. Let's see. Patrick Detmer asks, "What would you say is more indicative of your nightmare before Christmas? A, the Packer run defense facing Raheem Mostert, or B, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle running crossing routes while Joe Barry plays a soft zone and gives a facial expression that can only be described as Kevin Kevin McAllister's live reaction when Cousin Fuller does not go easy on the Pepsi. Ah, Fuller, he does do that. Um, I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with A." Um, because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall, I kind of expect it to be good and dominate and have great games. But uh, Raheem Mostert torturing the Packers is its own special thing, and if it happened twice for two different teams, that would be very, very obnoxious. So, uh, A, but both bad and worrisome. With how much I've had to learn about run fits over the last year and then watching the Packers be bad at them, I will still <laughs> I will also go with A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a special kind of torture if you uh, if you know why it's bad, I suppose. All right, Scarf21. Seems like Nixon is the best returner the Packers have had in years. Yes, perhaps decades, also yes. Considering that Basaccia has worked with Nixon before, I have a hard time believing that he didn't even have an inkling of what Nixon was capable of. Did the coaching staff truly whiff on evaluating Nixon until halfway into the season, or could this be a case of Goody trying to make sure that his guy in Amari got more chances than he actually deserved? Uh, I will say... um something I don't think I've ever shared before, but something I had heard about Ryan Grigson during the Indianapolis Colts era. Remember how weird it was with Trent Richardson yes. and why he kept playing for being absolutely terrible. What I had heard is that Pagano had absolutely zero desire to ever want him on the team, but Grigson made that trade, wanted to make a splash and Pagano never wanted to play him, but Grigson basically just like kept strong arming him into playing the it, guy he traded a first round. It happens. It does so happen. I could see a scenario. I, so I could see a scenario. I will never forget when that trade happened because I was listening to Mike and Mike in the morning as it did. And Mike Greenberg was about to say Trent Richardson, you know, a uh, thousand yard rusher. And somebody got in his ear right when he started to say th and said he's never had a thousand yards. And my, he, he corrected himself to almost thousand yard rusher, <laughs> which for a lead back in the NFL is just a huge indictment on how good you are. And uh, was accurate at the time. That guy was very, very, very bad. Uh, that stuff does happen, though. Like, Amari Rogers uh, was a high pick, and the sunk cost fallacy is strong with football people. It, it just is. He probably did get run to justify the pick um, more than if he was a sixth rounder, seventh rounder, for sure. And um, it's entirely possible that that just would governed until this moment. And Basaccia maybe didn't know that Nixon was good at it, or at least worth trying at it. Um, but, uh, you know, when you see third rounders getting too much run, that's usually the cause really any top four round pick getting too much run. That's usually the cause they get their first chance to fail and second chance and third chance. And that's just how things work. I will also say just from everything the coaches have said about him and all the, how the players reacted when he got cut, it does seem like the team outside (laughs) of Aaron Rodgers did really like the guy. That's true. It seems like he was a good guy. So. Um, good guy. Good guy takes you far. Good lesson there for all the rest of us in life. <laughs> all right. Uh, PJ Wessels. No question this time. Just wanted to say thank you and happy holidays. Well, thank you, PJ. Really appreciate that. Hey, cheers. Yep. Uh, and now to everybody's favorite, the old man on a bike in Sherlington. Yes. Take a deep breath. <clears throat> I'm an old man on a bike who is cautiously optimistic about two things. First, my ability to improve my physical fitness in the new year and finally compete with the millennials on their POS bikes and the even older men on their $10 bikes. <laughs> Second, the future of the Packers if Rodgers and Barry move on. Am I being overly optimistic? Could 2022 be the rebuilding year? Hmm. Tricky one. I would say... I, uh... Oh, go ahead. You go first. I think there's reason to be optimistic about getting in a Barry because there's a lot of qualified candidates you potentially go after. Now, who knows if they just go with another nepotism buyer, but you know, there's reason for optimism there. 
as much as I've liked the flashes, and I really liked those flashes from Jordan Love against the Eagles, there's still just so much. Yeah. With it. I think you really need significant time. Yep. Uh, I, I would agree with that. And I don't think this is the rebuilding year, as you stated, also because of the cap. Um, they will at some point have to eat a season in all likelihood. Uh, you can occasionally get lucky and just have a great rookie crop that kind of gets you through that. The Saints actually have kind of done that once or twice now, although it's come back to bite them. Um, but eventually they're going to have to just go through a year where they get back to cap normal and not have any depth, uh, probably lose some actual starters, and that's going to be the rebuilding year. But um, Tyler's right. Like Anybody you hire for Joe Barry is likely to be an upgrade. Even if you get just an average defensive coordinator, that's going to be a big kick upwards for them. If you can actually hit somebody who's actually good, um, they can take a really large leap forward and mitigate some cap losses, some offensive losses, some depth losses by that. So uh, there's definitely reasons to be optimistic. There are um, improvements they can make uh, um, right away, but they are going to, I think, have at least one or two bad seasons just as they write their financial situation at some point. Unfortunate, but true. It'll be a great purge. Yep. It'll be sad. It will. Um, I, again, I hate to keep bringing up the Colts, but I, I mean, I witnessed it after the Peyton Manning era. Like yeah. that team got gutted and it was, I mean, seeing all of the names is like, guys, I grew up in this like city, just like, oh, they're gone. Just what? Wait, what? Like overnight, yeah. all of these. Yep. Yep. And you get into the situation where the, the front office will decide, or, you know, often in a very sophisticated way, like, okay, we just can't compete this year. This is going to be the year. And then you start seeing guys you thought were going to be back on the team just shuffled off and then one by one. And then you're like, oh, it's this year. Shoot. Uh, and that's how it goes. That's business in the, in the salary cap league. So. All right. Tom Hates asks, I'm assuming the laterals we saw in this week's games were not the optimal usage of strategy. Does this weekend set Paul's lateral, lateral strategy back 15 years? Uh, yeah, it does. Like, uh, I'm First of all, I'm happy that so many laterals started happening, but uh, yeah, the whole point of it being a potential uh, unused strategy that you can you can refine and optimize is practicing it and and refining when to do it when to not do it along the lines of what triple option used to be not just running stupid kickoff lateral plays where you throw it back to a covered mac jones in the middle of the field um, not great or Russell douglas just deciding he has to do it and i do wonder if these things do spiral once in a while like we do know human behavior wise like copycats do happen uh, one happens, it gets into somebody else's head like, oh, yeah, I can I can throw it backwards. Maybe I'll do it now. <laughs> it's not me, but somebody probably did did kind of kick off the trend. But, yeah, it's not great. Like coaches are going to crack down on stupid laterals, which will set legitimate laterals back. I'm I'm annoyed by that. I mean, I played rugby for, oh, my, uh, a long time. I played rugby for a very long time. Um, I do. I. I'm convinced that there's actual value in laterals. Yeah. I mean, the way that rugby guys line up and then they can switch and you can just lateral that way. Like you can really set up defenses like the hook and ladder is a setup. Um, and there are very easy ways to do that if you're trailing him or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I do think yeah, at some point that will latch on. Someone's going to figure it out. I think so too. And rugby, again, a sport of all laterals while being destroyed by large men. Like you can do it in a controlled fashion, even while being hit. It can be done. All right. Uh, pro tip for people with children: Don't let them play football and rugby in the off season because <laughs> their bodies will be. Uh, yes, that's good. Good. I feel like common sense advice. <laughs> but but didn't think not. about it in my day. Yeah, I suppose not. <laughs> ah, all right, JD just says uh, Keyshawn Nixon, uh, and yep, <laughs> Keyshawn Nixon, amazing team MVP. He's so good. Extend him, please. They should extend him. He's totally worth... He'll, he will give you surplus value on a market contract. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Ziegler, what is the worst sports-related fashion trend that will never die in the NFC North? Uh, a, a good question. Um, I, I'm not I'm not sure what the worst one is. Like, Zubas, I feel like, have gotten to... Um, you can do it ironically and be fine with it. And you don't see too many, like, old men doing it unironically anymore. Uh, I, I'm... A lot of them are like cold weather specific, like like coveralls and overalls that are like super duper duper huge, um, things like that. I have good friends that do that. Blaze Orange, you know, is, is Hunter signaling. I, I think that one will stick around forever. Um, 
I'm not really sure. Tyler, do you have any any good answer for this one? I I got nothing the specific. Worst, it, I'm not a big fashion expert, but from a pure safety standpoint, shirt going shirtless, Shirt, like shirtless and cold. Look, yeah. that's not safe. That's not a safe idea. You're gonna you hurt yourself. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that one should should end. Uh, you should get not well. Yeah, you maybe should get kicked out for that because you're putting yourself in danger, and it is a sign that you've clearly had too much to drink. So, um, all of that. But like cheeseheads, they're fine. You know, they're part of the culture at this point. Um, I, I did just do the, the fashion post last week, and most of those have died, you know? Um, I think maybe the one that I hate the most is kind of understated, which is the uh, the blue-collar, not blue-collar, sorry, white-collar, the office worker blue business shirt with a very small sports logo on it. Uh, I, I feel like that's never warranted. Uh, it, you should either look like you're dressed for the office um, or not and uh, you don't need to have like a little tiny packer logo on your office attire uh, you can do that through your socks some other way I, I, i'm not a fan of that uh, and you'll see guys like I, brewer games who wear that kind of stuff there like oh, i'm going to the brewer game from straight from work i'll wear my brewer monogrammed button-down shirt like i hate this uh, not I a fan so not a fan of that I, I, that's my that's my answer that needs to die i'll i prefer I prefer to just wear my NFL logo hat. I'm just a big fan of the league, the Shield. <laughs> uh, I love all hats like that, honestly. Um, and any fat, fat, any hat that is just a generic fan of a sport, I like. Um, Jody has one that just says baseball on it. I love that hat so much. <laughs> it's Shout great. out Rob Lowe. Yeah. Best hat I've ever seen. <laughs> all right. K-Time7 asks... Which which of you three could have most easily intercepted the air ball from Rogers over Lazard? If the answer is all of you, I respect it. So the answer is you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm uh, I have phased in and out of somewhat athleticism, so I don't know where I'm at right now. All right. Um, I can't run. I can't run like a four or five guys. Like I know, I know it like looks very easy for a guy that can move that fast. But for any one of us, I don't think we're catching up to that ball. That's the thing. Uh, if if the question is, uh, we have to cover the same space that uh, Taylor Rapp did. Yeah, there's no way we're not doing that. If we get to just stand there, though, um, I, I will. Yeah. I will. I will give myself just a, a vote of confidence there. In that, my best sport is actually volleyball. I can actually jump kind of shockingly high for well, what I look like, and uh, I, I do have really good hands. I, I catch everything that's thrown at me. So. I can I can sky up a little bit and I'm gonna bring that down. Um, uh, the answer is probably Tyler than Matt than be- between me and Jr. But I think I can take Jr. So that's that's your answer. I kind of want this competition now. I I want to see this. <laughs> we need to get the jugs machine out and uh, try it out. All right, on to, on to our our Twitter questions. Um, uh, first from uh, Jonathan Deal. Between whatever the hell that was in the Raiders game and what Razul tried to do after his interception, do you, Paul, feel personally responsible for putting the idea of more laterals into the universe? Kind of yes. Um, I, so I don't know if you can trace it all the way back to me, but right after I started talking about them, Drew McGarry wrote uh, in the defector on them as well, like literally a week later. Uh, he's probably more responsible it, like for realsies for this than I am. But uh, I do kind of just wonder if one of my things just trickled past him in a timeline. So I'm going to take a little tiny bit of credit because maybe <laughs> it's possible. All right, Steve. Hey, Steve. Uh, Steve Garshinsky asks, how close is Aaron to going full Kanye on McAfee? Oh, jeez. No. No. He's Sorry. Not going to that... happen. Um, Aaron is uh, controversial. He is not always super careful with what he says. But... Uh, even he knows what I think the real limits are, <laughs> and he's yep, not, he's not correct. going he's not going there. Uh, he 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 can make money by being a certain kind of silicon bro controversial. Past that, it will start to actually cost him fame and money and um, goodwill, and can't do that. So yeah. And I feel I I know we we make fun of him, and he's weird, and he annoys me a lot. I don't think he shares those same feelings. I would hope. <sighs> hope so. Don't think so. I would hope. Yeah, I'll just stop talking now. Um, Crow Pack Crow, and guys, congratulations for the the Croatian national team. Did quite well in the World Cup. Didn't didn't quite bring it home, but heck yeah, did a nice job. Um, if there's any- shout out Dejan Lovren, Liverpool legend. Yeah, Lovren loves that guy. <laughs> if there's anyone to be cut on the offense, why don't we cut Tyler Davis? 
Hey, good question. <laughs> to, to which there is no good uh. answer. Um, uh, I, we should make a top 10 Acme Packing Company Slack just ideas, statements that happened throughout the course of the year. Because one of them is definitely, why is Tyler Davis still on this team? Uh, it comes up all the time. He's not useful on special teams, really. He is not a good offensive player. Uh, I, he should have been cut a million times over to try out new guys. No idea why, he, why he's still sticking around. You are correct. I don't know. Tyler, anything to add on Tyler? He, why does he get more reps than Josiah Deguara I, or any reps over to Josiah Deguara? It's ridiculous. Every time I saw it. Every time I turn on the All-22 film, I see at least two or three of the, like, what, four plays that Dish Sidewara plays yeah. in the game. And I'm like, that was a pretty good rep. That is was it, a good rep by that guy. Is it just because they technically play different positions? Is, does it come down to that? Is, is it just that the, the Davis position is out there more? But that's stupid if that's the case. Davis stole a DeGuara rep of going in motion and lead oh, blocking did. on the toss. Okay. And I was disgusted. I was livid as I saw it. <laughs> so the answer is definitely negative. Deguara is so good at those. He is. He's really he's had a good year. Good. Uh, he, yeah. it, he is in the Devontae Wyatt club of like, why? why what are you guys seeing that you're not playing more? Uh, the Packers, um, we do bemoan a little bit like, oh, if only Watson had not gotten hurt, come on earlier. If Dubs hadn't gotten hurt. if um, But their self-scouting has sabotaged them too. They're... Um, they're not quick to bench guys. They're not quick to make changes. And sometimes it costs them by letting these guys stick around and have too big of a role too long. Amari was one. Tyler Davis is one, too. Uh, Jake Hansen and Royce Newman were also. Uh, it's not their strength. They they made the right calls eventually on, on, on many of them, but not all of them. And they could do with being a little more cutthroat, I think, in the future on their the back end of their bench when they're not performing. It, the, the silver lining is that... Uh... The Packers really have no choice but to let DeGuara play in 2023. <laughs> very true. Very true. All right. Uh, Brad Ford. Hey, Brad. The baseball guy showing up. Uh, Rogers is lying about the hand signal article, right? We should actually talk about the hand signal article a little bit because we didn't touch on it at all. <laughs> um, it, article in The Athletic uh, about the complexities of, I would say, being involved in the Packer offense more than running the Packer offense. Um, and it was controversial. Uh, it was framed in a lot of different ways as this is why it's hard on rookies. Uh, John Meerdink wrote about why the Packers rookies actually aren't bad compared to other rookies. So it's not that hard. But I'm kind of bothered by the hand signal thing. Um, it seems like it's not implemented well. It, it, it does, from what was written, seem like it's implemented to help veterans at the expense of other people. And that there's even a way to do it. Uh, if you have... I know it's supposed to be not formal, but there are ways to do not formal things in a formalized way. And uh, this seems bad, honestly. It seems like it's legitimately hurt them over the course of the season, if it's true. The timing of it coming out and then Watson missing on that hand signal is do pretty you, incredible. Do you think that was trolling by Rodgers? It was very obvious. <laughs> I I could absolutely see him doing I think something it, like so that. I, I mean, he's, it, he's, the, he's the petty king, so yeah. I could see that. I legitimately think it was. I think... Uh, they've run that play before, and Watson screwed it up, like like in week two or three. And I swear to God, he ran it because he he thought Watson didn't know the signal for it uh, again, and like ran a test for him, and knowing he would get it wrong. I I, I that is my actual honest opinion here, um, just based on having seen it before, and and Aaron liking to troll people. That's what he does. Uh, he so, <laughs> and he's not really. I don't think lying about it. Um, as Jr chimed in by the way after that comment lying fairly certain Rodgers didn't even read it <laughs> and I think that's true well Rodgers said it was from a lot of anonymous sources that's not true that article is well sourced with people on the record uh, so uh, none of that is the case but uh, secret uh, off the record things that that's experienced people in business know are not good for businesses uh, there are ways to do yeah. that kind of thing correctly and this is not that yeah, I um, Justice did a great job explaining what the importance of hand signals like because this is something that gets used down to the high school level. Like our mm -hmm. uh, our team uses hand signals. We have ways to counter that if we feel like people are reading those and things like that. Um, it just seemed like a very elementary thing for a guy that thrives on being complex and being <laughs> like you know he. It's it's one of the ways he's been so successful. Really, uh, is is the overcomplication of things and making these adjustments. You just don't have a guy that's on the same page with you on these things like Devonte anymore. Yep. 
Absolutely true. Not a guy who's reading your back shoulder nuances every single time you're out there. All right. Um, it is freaky how much of a sh- the same brain they shared on the football field. It, it is. That, that, really chem- that chemistry was real. It was very effective, but not everybody's going to have it right away. You got to be able to adjust. Nope. Yep. Uh, Sam asks, we've heard a ton about the Dolphins offense, but what does their defense excel at and what should be Green Bay's plan to find success on offense? Um, oh, geez. <laughs> I know the answer to this one. This one I've looked up recently. Yeah, please go. I need to look at their. I haven't watched many Dolphins games this year. So um, there's... Now that they've got some good secondary players, right? Um, yeah, I would say up front is where they're strongest. And on defensive line in particular okay. is where they're really strongest. They're, they're cor- Wilkins, yeah. Uh, their corners are hot trash. Um, that's where you can. Wow, okay. That's where you can make some some run against them, um, but uh, up, so up front uh, on the defensive line. Sorry, pulling up pulling up stats. Um, Zach Seiler, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but uh, he had a great game. Never in, heard of that in their last game. He's defensive <laughs> lineman. He is 16th out of 127 defensive linemen, and his uh, line mate on the defensive line is uh, Christian Wilkins, who is seventh uh, out of 127 defensive linemen. Uh, that's good up front. And Jalen Phillips is an outstanding like edge rusher. Uh, they generate great pass rush uh, through just rushing four. It is hard to run power against them up the middle. They're like 11th in run defense in DVOA, so that's stellar. But there's kind of a clump there. Um, it's not a super strength, but it's a strength. Uh, but in the secondary, they're they're really not good. Um, they, they, uh, uh, they're, I think, 26th against the pass. And uh, I should pull that up to make sure to, I'm not horribly wrong. But like they don't have any corners ranked above 62nd in, uh, in PFF grading. And... It really does show across the board in their like split metrics. Uh, it, it's a weakness. You can pass against this team with kind of impunity. It's one of the reasons they're eight and six, even though they can score like mad. When they get in shootouts, other teams stay around. So um, that's uh, that that's the Dolphins in a nutshell. They are uh, they're vulnerable to a passing attack if you can protect your quarterback. If you try to run a bunch against them, you will fall behind and lose the game. And I'm going to just. Yep pull up their defensive splits really quick so that I can confirm I didn't say something stupid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As sometimes does happen when you're on the fly. Uh, I got all my, I usually have my tabs open. I had to close all of them spontaneously. So yeah, the 26th against the pass. I was correct about that. Yay me. Um, That's, that's the way to go. go, Yep. Shootout is where you want this game. Actually uh, worse than the Packers quite a bit against the pass. So if you're looking for some optimism, there you go. Um, They're, in particular, worse underneath, um, in the middle of the field. Slot receivers, uh, tight ends, and pass-catching running backs, they're okay against outside receivers. So That's them in a nutshell. All right. And, uh, oh, uh, and uh, let's see. Jeff Arnold, if you haven't addressed it lately, what are they going to end up doing with Jordan Love? We address this every week, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't know, so... Uh, I don't know. Do you have any any additional? You weren't on last week when we had this question like five times. Do you have a Jordan Love sense at this point? I, I do think they'll try and help him with the trade request if he actually asks for it and Rodgers comes back in 2023. I do too. Just uh, yeah, cap implications and everything like that. Yep. Um, the, the other, the other, come to Indy. The other they point, need a quarterback. They, and they absolutely I'll do. root for him. The other point on Love is that you're, you're kind of past the p- part of his contract where you really gain an advantage from having a young quarterback. You know, you're going to be in cap hell with him. It's usually when you have a young quarterback that you're testing out, you're in great cap situation because you're on a rookie quarterback deal, and that's never going to happen with Love. So you may as well get some value from him. He's unlikely to be a superstar. J- just do that. All right. And uh, last but not least, sick of winning. Um, assuming the Packers beat Miami, are you more worried about Minnesota or Detroit? Oh, easily Detroit. Detroit. That's yes. like the that's one of the best teams in football right now. Have yep. they won like six in a row? They won like six in a row. They're one of the four teams in the NFC that have a positive point differential. Oh, I take that back. The Vikings got positive again after that stupid game. Hey, let's <laughs> just, go. Just, Congrats. Just barely. Um, but yeah, the, the Lions are like a team that's coming on. They got Jamison Williams back for the second half of the season. He's been pretty good. That offensive line is for real, and that defense has come around. They've actually been really good on defense after being historically bad for the first half. They like flipped a switch and are now like the Packer game um, when the Packers couldn't score on them. They've kept doing that. Uh, they're legit. So yes, the, I agree. Detroit is what I'm worried about and where they may go to die, as Matt has predicted many times. Everything goes right. They beat everything that they need to beat. They get all the help, and then they, they lose to Detroit. That, uh, Matt's put it into the universe. You can blame him when that happens. 
Um, so that'll do it. It's the offensive line that scares me more than anything. I'll just say that. It's like, just a great offensive line. That will line. run all over him. Yep. Jamal Williams will like break a franchise touchdown record on the Packers. That's going to hurt. It, it, it could very well come to you. It, uh, they're scary. They're, they're, there's lots to be optimistic about in Detroit. Before we leave, can I just bring up one random Jamal Williams fun fact I learned? Yeah. Do you remember his touchdown celebration in Green Bay where he just kind of like does that wiggle thing? Yeah, the awesome Jamal Williams dance. He got penalized for that this year. Really? I was watching a game and he got an unsportsmanlike conduct for doing the same dance he's been doing his entire career. I just assumed it was grandfathered in. That's crazy. I know. I was blown away. Boo, NFL. You suck. Be more fun. All right. Um, Looks like Google's going to get Sunday tickets. So um, (laughs) it'll be on YouTube. Not done yet, but it's the front runner um, so far. So. Um, give me all a cart. Let me just pay for Packers games. That's good. what the NBA League Pass does, and it's I love it. It's it's good. I'll be surprised if they do that though, since it runs <sighs> runs headlong into uh, protected territory, Packers especially. I, so the problem I'm gonna... I'll tell you the problem I think with it is the way Sunday Ticket currently works is that you can't watch the national game on it. You can watch all the other games. No, I I live in Chicago, so I don't live in the home territory. I think I've been able to watch like two Packer games on Sunday ticket this year. They're always the national game uh, or one yep. of the night games or Thursday. Um, so it's it's like, can you sell that? Can you carve out enough of the Fox deal and the CBS deal to actually like go to a consumer and say, okay, if you pay this, you'll get to watch, you know, 10 Packer games or something or, or all. Like, I'm not sure that's actually going to work or be allowed. That's, yep. that's my current yep. read on it. It sounds very hard contractually. All right, before we get yeah, out of here, a good point. Yeah. Tyler, anything to plug? Uh, this week's slow because of the bye week. Shenanigans waiting on film. So, But I'll probably have something on film. I'm actually planning on talking about Quay Walker. Um, I think there's. I think he had a lot of good he on did. Monday night. I thought, uh, I thought but, it was his best game of the year, actually. Yep, and but you're still seeing some of the mental stuff. So I'm excited to dive into the film and get like give you a more detailed breakdown of that because that's my favorite thing to do for the site. Heck yeah, looking forward to that. Um, my recap in the Shepherd Express should be up right now. Minipod will post, I think on Thursday, I already recorded it. If injuries screw it up, so be it. But, you know, holiday travel being what it is, so be it. Uh, I did write a, a parody song, as I mentioned on Twitter about Joe Barry, but Matt's in charge of singing it and I'm going to keep nagging him about it. But I did my own parody song too. That's going to be out on Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve for everybody's enjoyment. So, uh, and keep an eye out for that. Enjoy everybody. Have a happy holiday and we'll be back. Uh, maybe next. I'm not sure what next week will hold yet. I'm not going to say that because Christmas bleeds over in a weird way. So we'll see who's around and what happens and how the Dolphins game goes. But everybody, uh, have a happy holiday. Enjoy the game. I was watching a spelling bee on ESPN2, and these kids were spelling words that don't come naturally to me or you, like oligarchy, solipsism, bouillabaisse, epistemology, insouciance, onomatopoeia, syllogism, perspicacious, hypothalamus, there's some other ones, hot dog, no, anti-disestablishmentarianism, yeah, I like hot dogs, well I bet they would get stumped if they had to spell Hanukkah, no one can tell. We don't mean to dwell, but how do you spell?